Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning, baseball fans. Welcome inside the clubhouse right here at Chicago Sports Radio. 670 The Score, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios. I am David Haw, along with Bruce Levine. And we interrupt this Bears draft support group, Bruce, to talk baseball. Won't exactly cheer you up, but we promise to do our best to be interesting for a couple hours until 11 o'clock. Hello, Bruce. How are you? Good morning, David. I'm doing great. And uh, although the uh, Chicago teams aren't doing fantastic, uh, we are here for you, the Chicago baseball fan, 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball every Saturday morning from 9 until 11. And uh, David will help navigate this show as we move forward and expecting some great guests today, including uh, Joe Madden, the manager of the Angels as well as Alfonso Rivas and maybe some other surprise people along the way. Won't that be fun, talking baseball for two hours? And that is a promise, yes, not a threat, even though it might with both teams really struggling of late. And, Bruce, you mentioned Joe Madden at 930, the manager of the Angels in town. after uh, They're in first place, and they beat the White Sox last night on Friday, the first game of a four-game series, 5-1. to The Cubs are up in Milwaukee, 11-1 losers in the first game of that three-game series. Uh, against uh, against the Brewers and the division rival. And we are building a bridge to Steve Rosenblum, certainly. Saturday suckage is after us. But the big show today on the score, 2 to 5.35 up to Cubs pregame, we have the draft show. Mike Mulligan, my partner Mully, uh, will host the draft show. The Bears have some draft picks today. He will be joined by Olin Krutz, Anthony Heron, and Mark Grody from Hallis Hall. I think Brad Biggs might even chime in and draft coverage uh, here on the score is brought to you by Amco Car Care, Amco Transmissions, and Total Car Care. Call 1 800 GO AMCO for the location nearest you. Also, Bruce, Monday we will be giving away Cub Sox tickets. Listen all day here on the score. That series right around the corner. And when they finally meet next week, Bruce, there will be two teams that are struggling mightily. The Cubs have lost four out of five, and the Sox 10 out of 11. Yeah, the Cubs actually have lost 10 out of 12 as well. So uh, 
you know, for full perspective of uh, what's going on. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a struggle. It, you know, the great news is that it's early in the season here. Uh, the, uh, the interesting thing about it all, David, is that, um, you know, uh, the Cubs expected to have their ups and downs right away. But with the White Sox, you know, you're dealing with some real injury issues that are impacting them. But then again, are they? And that's the question that we have for you over the next two hours. Are there any other things going on with the Chicago White Sox that you identify other than the major injuries, which are certainly impactful on the Chicago White Sox? 312-644-6767. David, your thoughts? Well, I think that's a really good question. I also want to know if people, big picture-wise, want to pay more attention to these two struggling teams. You know, the, the Bulls season ended this week. The Blackhawks, if anybody's still paying attention, finished Friday night. And we talked about the draft ending. And now that baseball has your undivided attention in Chicago, is it worthy of it? Do you want to dig into these issues like what, why the Sox can't hit or catch the ball or pitch, by the way, uh, and why the Cubs can't do a lot of things? 312-644-6767. Bruce, the, bothersome, the most bothersome thing to me, I think, with the White Sox, one annoys me, one I can't figure out. I don't think the defense is excusable. I think mm-hmm. you, you have major league players should, should be better defensively. What, that, that goes without saying almost. But I wonder offensively what is going on with a team that is better than it's shown. You know, since this losing streak began, they've scored 25 runs in 11, in 11 games. They are near the bottom of every statistical category in the American League, batting average, OPS. When this happens over a period of time and the losing continues, you've been around baseball longer than I have. You know someone is typically held accountable. Are the, sex, are the Sox headed in that direction? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look uh... – Radio shows like ours, uh, reporters, uh, beat writers, people who love the game and, and watch it, they, help, they, they hold everybody accountable. You're accountable no matter what, and, and no excuse. Uh, Larusa has said it all along from the injuries when they impacted the team last year through the spring training, and now nobody feels sorry for you. Nobody feels bad for you if you lose uh, players. Look, the White Sox have been playing all the month of April, without their starting third baseman, uh, partially now without their center fielder, and now for the next unforeseeable future, anywhere from two to four months, whatever it is, uh, without their left fielder. And these are three of the more integral offensive players on this team that make it happen. So again, I'm not giving uh, the White Sox an excuse I'm just pointing out the reality of the situation, that you don't place, replace Mankata, you don't place Jimenez, and for a short term, you don't place Robert with the impact that they have on their team. Uh, nonetheless, the other people have to produce. They're held accountable for that, and uh, you hope they can uh, sooner rather than later. But as you said, David, um, when you look at the team and it looks worse than it most likely is uh, because of the fact that... Um, when you're playing and you're scoring only one or two runs a game, any defensive play that isn't made is magnified. And in this case, the White Sox, over this period of time, the defense has not been good. It hasn't been a real good defensive team at all last year into this year.
but it's magnified even more when you're not scoring runs, okay? It really stands out quite a bit. And, uh, you know, it's up to them to turn it around. They have to play cleaner games. And you hope that, uh, you know, they find some magic on offense here with Robert now, uh, you know, back in the lineup yesterday. And hopefully Mancata working his way over the next few days at Charlotte to uh, back on the field. They, they need production. They need it badly from these guys. Well, a couple things come to mind as you, as you were talking about the White Sox, and I'm curious to get your perspective, Bruce, because I know you've been watching them closely. But number one is, and I asked Steve Stone this yesterday on, on Mully and Haw, and I wondered what you think. Can a team get better defensively? Is it a matter of just concentration lapses? Is it a matter of not being able to do it physically? They're just not these kind of uh, players that were, were your defense first type of mentality because – Bruce, it has cost them time and again, and it will continue to. And when you try to work the margins, you, your, mar- your margin for error is reduced, and you can't be that bad defensively. So think about that while I ask you the second question that, that came to mind as you were talking. When Yoan Moncada comes back and Jake Berger steps aside, does he step aside, or where does he go? And how can you take a guy who is especially in Chicago in that ballpark, lethal at the plate? He is the one guy – who has been pretty good. So what do you do with Berger once Mankata comes back? Is it inconceivable to put him at second base? And the questions are kind of related. Do you worry about him not being good enough defensively on a team that is not good enough defensively? Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think he can cover the ground, although he's been taking ground balls at second base, David. I don't think he can cover enough ground to play there. I don't think you want him uh, making the double play. I, I just, you know, I think in an emergency, he's going to play there. I don't think he's starting anytime soon at second base. I, I just don't think that, uh, that that's the plan. But nonetheless, um, there is a role, and it's called DH. And I think uh, he could, he could stop, step into that role. Uh, the problem is, is that when Grandal doesn't catch, he's not there. When uh, Jose Abreu needs a day off, uh, you know, is there a roadblock there for Berger uh, weighing it? Is Berger better playing every day at AAA than part-time for you? But uh, you got to get there first. Mancata is probably not going to play every single day when he comes back. They probably will move him in a little bit slowly. So uh, I think there's plenty room anywhere on a major league team, David. And this is a real cop-out answer. There's, a, there's room everywhere for a guy that's hitting. Okay, They're going to find a spot for him. They're not sending him back to, excuse me, to the minor leagues if he's, if he's still hitting the ball. That, that's Especially on a team that's you know, averaging five or six hits and a couple runs a night over the last uh, 10, that's, 12 games. That's not a cop-out. That's a good answer, Bruce. And, and I want to follow up. So when I asked the question about can you improve defensively, I guess it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a way of also asking, do you think that defensive problems are contagious? Because we saw Reese McGuire, the defensive catcher, make a defensive mistake the other night with the bases loaded and that pass ball hurt the White Sox. And I started to think to myself, like maybe many Sox fans, like, oh, my gosh, him too? The defensive catcher can't be can't be shoddy defensively. He's supposed to be here to, to kind of reduce those mistakes. You know, uh, David, it's a great question. Uh, I think the answer is even the best professional players, when they're not scoring runs, I think there's a there is that situation where you get a little bit tight in the field, and you know you try to do things that are above and beyond what you do, and it and it just takes away from the the situation where you're a normally gifted athlete 
playing a position and playing loosey-goosey like you have to on defense. You cannot afford to tighten up. But when you're in these games and you know one mistake is going to uh, hurt you, uh, I think it has a tendency to uh, weigh a little bit heavier on the players. Now, a guy like Tim Anderson, you know, and he made a you know, plethora of errors all you know, during a certain time, uh, I, I think that it's, it's a little different, you know, it, it's, a, it's a little different. And I, I think that um, um, he, he's not impacted by errors that he's made in the p- past. I, I can't say that for everybody, but I'm pretty sure that when it comes to him, there are no, there are no issues. It's a new day and he's feeling fresh every day. That's the confidence I have in Anderson, even though he's had a, a very clunky start. I think it's an interesting observation, Bruce. Tim Anderson does remind me of your shutdown cornerback in the NFL, that even if he gets beat deep and maybe goes through a slump and two Sundays in a row, he's, he's you know on the wrong end of, of long passes. He's not going to come out in the next game and show any sign of weakness. And Tim Anderson, I think similarly, he's going to get past this bad stretch that he has been in April has been forgettable defensively for him. And so I think that's an interesting observation. Okay, I want to switch to the Cubs for a second because I have a question I want you to address. Maybe you do too. 312-644-6767. One of these days, Bruce, we're going to come in and we're going to talk about the positives in both teams or the, the thing that connects them because uh, it is yet to happen. It's been a long month. The Cubs at 8-12, and 12, the White Sox at 7-12. and 12. But with the Cubs, there are certain things you have to cling to and certain knowns that have to remain known. And one of them involves Kyle Hendricks. And last night he gave up six runs. And I know it was the Brewers, and I know the Cubs aren't expected to be very good. But with Kyle Hendricks, he gave up six runs. And it was the second, it was the ninth time in his last 37 games that he has done so, six runs or more. And before that, it only happened nine times in six years. And so that was a stretch of 175 games. What are we seeing with Kyle Hendricks? Is it related to the fact that the team isn't very good? Is it related to the fact that his stuff isn't very good? Is it fair to ask that question at this point in time? I I think it's all mechanical. Uh, He was throwing up there. He was throwing meatballs up there yesterday. I mean, you saw the balls that were getting hit. Uh, That's not the precision guy that the last time out against Pittsburgh threw seven shutout innings. Uh, This is a guy that... uh, was struggling over the mound uh, last night uh, as far as positioning. He the the ball was coming out uh, wrong. He, he wasn't over the he wasn't over the uh, slab properly. So he was releasing the ball from different areas. And he talked a little bit about that after the game. That uh, you know uh, Tommy Hadovy, the pitching coach, and uh, Contreras were coming out and saying, you know, you're 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 just you're not balanced. You're not you're not over the rubber the way that you have to. And the ball is coming out wrong. It's just going straight, absolutely straight. Uh, and, and, you know, when you throw 86, 87, and the ball is not moving, the ball's going to move somewhere where you don't want it to, to go, and that's usually over a fence. Justin Steele goes for the Cubs today. We're still waiting on Marcus Stroman to get that first victory, and, and I think that there are way many, there are a lot of other concerns, and I don't want to pile on Kyle Hendricks, but when you expect him to be, the ace of the staff, I mean, you see something that like last night and you see some things that are troubling in terms of a trend, you, you do maybe worry a little bit. Good explanation, and I think that uh, of all the guys on that rotation, he probably has earned the benefit of the doubt. Okay, the score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today 
or visit betql.com, 312-644-6767. Let us know what you think. Let's go to Glencoe. That is where Mike joins inside the clubhouse. Good morning, Mike. Good morning to both of you, and thanks for the great show. Bruce, I, I have a kind of an existential question about the White Sox because it's getting too tiring to look at them on a daily basis. Is it possible, and do you think the White Sox are actually thinking about this in the management level, that they may have made a mistake in how they structured this team with, with the tremendous uh, reliance on hitting um, the, the, the Roberts, the Eloys, the uh, Mancadas, uh, and Grandals, that they've overemphasized hitting to the detriment of pitching. I look at the box scores, I look at a team like Milwaukee, and I can't figure out how they're doing it with that lineup. And then I look at the pitchers they throw out there. Can an organization make a fundamental mistake in how they structure the ball club? And if so, could the White Sox have made such a mistake? No, you know what, call. Mike? Uh, it's a good call, David. Uh, I would say, you know, with the injury to Crochet for the year, with Kelly not having pitched the first month, that they fortified their bullpen beautifully. Uh, they did everything they could, and they were the envy of baseball as far as their bullpen on paper going into uh, this season, without question. And it should still be a very good bullpen. Uh, losing Lynn for two months, you know, your, your ace. Losing Rodan uh, to free agency. Uh, knowing that uh, Kopech, who's pitched pretty well, is going to be in the rotation. Uh, I don't know how much you can fortify for injuries as far as your starting rotation. I don't know if anybody is that deep. We're going to have Joe Madden on next as our guest. We'll talk about, you know, how, how, can, a, how can a team fortify and, and protect against you know, uh, essential starting pitchers from, from being hurt, and where do you go from there? So I still think that the White Sox are going to have good pitching staff. I think the bullpen has a chance still to be outstanding. But um, right now, uh, you know, again, with the, with the 24 games of spring training and the slower start where you have to slow roll some of your rotation guys, you know, they are, they're struggling, and, and well, there's Bruce. no question about it. But there's been some good, really good – look, we haven't talked about Giolito. He was outstanding last night. He only gave up three runs. That, that's a really good sign. It's important. Cease has been very good uh, yeah. this year. So I, it's I not doom and gloom I, as far as the not, pitching staff goes. It's, it's, it's not doom and gloom, and, and Giolito was hurt by a couple home runs early, and, and I get that. And I don't want to cast a negative Paul over the Sox any more than the record does. But Mike – Mike gets to, to a point and, and, and alludes to something that I think is bigger picture. You know, since the All-Star break, Bruce, this is a 500 team going through the second half of last season and, and right. so far the first month of this one. And but what, why is that? Well, why injuries is explain that? part of that, but not yeah, all of it. Of course. Well, I think injuries and uh, guys that were worn down by injuries, every one of those starting pitchers was almost injured last year in the second half. Uh, they, were, they were not a good pitching team when they faced the Houston Astros. They were... They were a below-level uh, below team. Houston was better, but they weren't that much better than that team that we saw in that first half. And this will be an ongoing story and maybe a source of debate. But, yes, Carlos Rodon isn't there, and, yes, I understand why. But that was a conscious choice by the organization to let him go, to not structure something contractually, to not use the, the tools that they could have to maybe make him stay. Maybe this, the luck will run out and Carlos Rodon will be injured. But that was not happenstance. That was a conscious decision to let Carlos Rodon go, correct? Well, you know, $44 million, if you call that a conscious decision, yeah, I would say so. But, uh, you know, that, 
and, and the ability to walk after one year. But you're right. I mean, they could have made a, a stronger effort. But again, you know, they, they know the history of Carlos Rodon. They weren't going into the $40 million areas for him. Uh, I think they were interested in bringing him back, but not to that level. And, and again, uh, you know, we do this every week. We have the ability to second guess it. I think, you know, with a healthy Lynn going into the season, and uh, you know the the injuries that they've had, uh, you know I I still think the White Sox are the best team in the division. Now, uh, Cleveland was looking great at the beginning of the year. Then they've they've gone off and lost a, a million in a row. Detroit's not all that great. Minnesota's playing good ball. I think their pitching is a little bit over their head. I still think uh, it's a White Sox division unless there's more injuries to have to deal with uh, the rest of the way to the pitching staff. Speaking of history, we will talk to a man who has made his share of it here in Chicago. Joe Madden joins inside the clubhouse next. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. In the battery, Shohei Otani. Angels offense, Scooby coming in first and average. These are all American League numbers. First, tied first home runs. First and runs, first and slugging. Otani, left center field, and hit well and deep. And it has been a minute, but Showtime is back. His fourth home run, it's 2-0 Angels. That's the home run. That's the swing you want to see. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 score. David Hall with Bruce Levine. Thank you to Angels Radio for supplying that highlight. Show, Shohei Otani homered last night at the uh, guaranteed rate field on the south side against the White Sox. The Angels are in town, and that means... Our next guest is is back in Chicago, and then we go out to the, our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, and that is where we find Angels manager Joe Madden. Joe, welcome back to Chicago. Does it feel like a homecoming? Yeah, I mean, every time I land here now, it, it, it really does remind of, I, I mentioned it yesterday, uh, when Jay and I flew in for that first press conference and uh, this, uh, the, the, the pattern coming in, then you get O'Hare, uh, all the houses, uh, responsibility attached, and all the fun. It was it was a great moment. It's always a great moment to find in Chicago. Joe, welcome back. It's always a pleasure to welcome you on the show and back to Chicago, which I, I will continue to say will be your hometown here forever, considering the history that uh, you helped bring here. Uh, but uh, moving toward uh, forward, you have a first-place team. You have a team that's pitching well. You have a team that's hitting well. What has been the difference so far this year in the 2022 Angels compared to the clubs you've had before? Well, I mean, uh, first of all, great to be with you, Bruce, and uh, I love your singing voice. I never knew you had that ability. <laughs> uh, uh, beyond that, yeah, I, I, on it, it's obvious. The hitting's been really good, right? Well, you saw the defense last night, and you saw our entire pitching staff pick us up. We've been pitching and catching the ball really, really well. Our infield defense is spectacular. It only got stronger with David Fletcher coming back. The outfield defense, uh, incredibly different. Mike Trout looks great in center field. And then the corner guys, uh, you're seeing Taylor Ward at the plate. And on defense, and the same with Marcia and left, and Joe Adele has really gotten better at catching solid. So it looks like, obviously, that we're hitting well, and we are. But I really am liking the pitching and the defense, and that's where you win. That uh, normally shows up on a nightly basis if you're good at it. And uh, that's what I, I, for me personally, that's what I see as the biggest difference. Joe, you guys come in here and you're in first place, obviously 14 and seven. You're you're hot with a six game winning streak, and 
I just wondered if you take a step back, if you can, and you're really good at always having an outside perspective on this. When you look at the White Sox and you see how much they have struggled through the first month of this season, obviously we're, it's my, you know, Chicago, it's myopic and we're looking at this every day. But from your perspective, any ideas and, and the level of surprise that the White Sox are struggling to the extent that they are? No, they're missing some uh, really uh, key people, Moncada out and uh, Eloy getting hurt. Also, um, uh, Giolito was outstanding last night. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of them yet. Um, I just know that they're good and they're going to come back. Uh, we just played Cleveland in your division. We haven't played everybody. We haven't seen Minnesota. But um, I, I, there's a lot to like about this White Sox team. So you just be patient. Uh, it's early. Um, things, you know, I guess your weather's been awful. And, and like I said, there's just way, there's a few too many really important injuries. I went through the, we went through the same thing last year. Uh, this time of the year, it's really no time to panic about anything. If you like your team, it's going to show up. If you don't like your team, it probably won't. Uh, but coming into this season, the White Sox team was uh, highly regarded. And I really believe you're going to see that uh, over a period of time. Joe, I know you miss the uh, sore throats and the colds and wearing the stocking hat and uh, four layers of managing in the dugout in Chicago the most. But uh, from the perspective of what your team is, a lot of teams, you know, have, you know, there's there's some great superstars in the game. But to have two super superstars, two of the top maybe five players in the game of baseball on a nightly basis, uh, is, is that as great as it would appear to be or are there challenges when you have two super superstars in a club i'm sure it can be but it's not here i mean you're talking about not only superstar players but people uh these guys conversationally on a daily basis are great i mean i'm not just not hyperbole these guys are really that good michael he might just like to ask questions he's uh, i mean in a good way he's inquisitive he's always looking to get better he's got a really uh, right sense of humor that I totally appreciate, and he's a really good baseball player. But this guy, just a, a kid from New Jersey, man, that happens to be a really good baseball player, um, and that's the that's the beauty of him. He's good. I, I obviously that's that's an understatement. But who he is is even better, and I really enjoy him for that. Same with Shohei. Like yesterday, I, or last night, the night before the game, I texted with Ipe, Shohei's uh, interpreter, and they're inseparable. And I said, but just talk to Shohei. I'd like to hit him fourth tomorrow because I really think. He's the only guy that could protect uh, Trotty right now because Trotty's so hot. He just gets back. I, I, whatever you want. I'll do whatever you guys, whatever you want me to do. And, and that's always the response. Uh, he and I speak every day. Can you play tomorrow? Do you want to hit tomorrow? Especially when he, the day he's going to pitch. So it's an open conversation constantly. These are just good guys that happen to be outstanding baseball players. So uh, dealing with them daily is actually a pleasure. Joined by Joe, Joe Madden here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score, David Hall, Bruce Levine, until 11 o'clock. And, Joe, we were amused, I think, from afar here in Chicago, seeing the league-wide response to your decision to walk Corey Seager with the bases loaded. And we remembered it came to mind, your mantra, just because a decision doesn't necessarily work doesn't mean it was the wrong one. But how did you handle that reaction, and what was your sort of reaction to the reaction? I honestly didn't really look into it. I, I I knew it was the right thing to do in the moment. It actually did work. And uh, the one part that didn't work was the balk. Didn't see that. But you don't know that if Seagrave hit in the grand slam, that would have been four points. The biggest the biggest thing out of that was, I mean, it's just everybody wants to read the obvious. To me, we were dead in the water right there. I didn't like our attitude at all. I thought we were like, 
I don't want to use the word fearful, but we just weren't being ourselves. And it was time to really just stir them up a bit and, and have them go out there and not worry about consequences and go play the game and, and just not worry in general. So if I go out there and do something, you know, it's perceived to be crazy. What if we had just walked Seeger on four pitches? What if he'd been hit by a pitch? Nobody would have said anything. But I didn't want to uh, go out there and tell my pitcher, hey, be careful, pitch around this guy. But just the charge of the situation, knowing that if it really did work, if the next pitch was a ground ball double play, um, how good would that have been? But it was just a, a moment uh, uh, to, be, to be able to teach a lesson to the group. Let's go. Let's stop worrying about all this crap. Let's just go play baseball and not worry about what people might say afterwards. And you might not, I mean, people might say that's a too long of an explanation, but it's not. That's exactly what I was thinking going into it. So for me, uh, mission accomplished. The only part about it that was, like I said, the debacle, which was really a bad call by the third base umpire. Joe, you know, continuing on that, uh, you know, being a manager, being a uh, head coach, being a uh, coach of a team in professional sports, you cannot be afraid of what your gut tells you, okay? That's why, you know, when we get into uh, managing and people say managers don't have impact, you know, you hear the you hear the people that are strictly going by numbers and saying that the you know managers don't have any impact. They're just so wrong about the idea that uh, a manager can't change the momentum of a game by doing exactly what you said. This was more about impacting your own players and waking them up rather than uh, just the strategy of walking a guy that could have hit a grand slam and and wipe you out for the game. You you ended up winning that game. You won the other game uh, back with Tampa when you were the last guy to walk a player with the bases loaded. Uh, Maybe talk a little bit about not being afraid, but also how people interpret managing maybe the wrong way when it comes to professional sports. Well, there's some people that just want to be so much in control. And I think the people that are hypercritical of those moments are the people that want to be in control or the, or the manager in general terms. Uh, the manager has a great uh, deal of impact on, on the daily uh, workings of the team. There's no question about that. I mean, to argue otherwise is just being uh, totally having your head in the sand. Um, I, the part that has bothered me in the, in the more recent uh, part of our industry is the fact that managers in the dugout have been uh, probably relegated more to the term of being a middle manager, which I totally disagree with. Although there are some places that do treat their manager as though he is a middle manager, just primarily there to carry out the the wishes and the whims of the front office. And when you have that, um, I promise you, uh, part of the reason why the game is being viewed upon as it is, is because there's too much interference from up top to the dugout. And everybody's seeking to be the same the same person, the same player, the same organization. What I really don't understand, I mean, the part of the beauty of this game has always been if you root for a particular team, your team had an identity about it. It was something about the Cubs that was different than the White Sox, that the Angels were different from the Dodgers, from the Yankees, whoever. And now everybody wants to be the same cat. Everybody wants to look the same. And it was easy as uh, to build the highest or the most the, the, the most people in your baseball ops department, which is then get equal victory. Nobody would ever lose. So, I mean, there's all this uh, um, dialogue narrative being created by those who are in charge, I think. And um, it's going to come back. It's going to eventually uh, evolve back. I think it is right now. You see the baseball is not carrying as, as well as it had. And I love it. I think it's great. I think it's great. It's going to put more emphasis on playing the game. Analytics are going to shift. I mean, whatever analytics has, has wanted in the past, you know, the home run, the strikeout, and the walk is going to shift. 
analytics aren't pure. They're, they're, they're not uh, in a vacuum. They're going to ship based on what's going on. So and, and that's what we've done as, as baseball people and managers. You always shift according to your personnel and, and the moment in the game. So uh, a lot of this stuff's going to be tied back together, I think, eventually. But those in control want to be in control. And I think uh, when you're able to delegate more responsibly and permit everybody to do your job, their jobs, then you're going to give an industry that everybody gets reattached to. Joe, it's great to talk to you, and I think because it brings so many people back hearing your voice, and, and also because when you were here, I, I respected and, and, and occasionally marveled at how much satisfaction you got from your job. You just enjoyed going to work, and it could be through a difficult time, and, and the perspective was always welcome to hear and to observe. And I just wondered, at this stage of your career, as you go, I don't know if it's year to year, I don't know how far ahead you look, but what still brings you the joy and satisfaction of going to work every day? Honestly, it's the day. It, it is so many, there's so much to enjoy about the day, i.e. this morning. Okay, we played yesterday, last night, got home late. We just came up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Trip in the day before that, it rained the whole game, you know, and we won. And I loved every second of it. I got back last night, um, uh, chatted with my wife, woke up like at 6 o'clock again this morning. I've been sitting here with my coffee reading the paper, uh, catching up on some correspondence, and I just, just did my lineup before you guys called. And that's, that's the day for me. It's, it's, it's everything. It's the, uh, there's a routine about it, but I'm also, I think, flexible with my routine. And honestly, uh, golf has entered my life. <laughs> and I, I can't believe how addicted I've become to this sport. And I'm here to tell you it's the best thing for anybody uh, if you have that opportunity or that moment of that time to get out for four hours and just park it for a bit. It makes you better at everything else that you do. And also... I think it's made me a better manager and a coach right now, uh, whereas I'm trying to figure out uh, mechanically and mentally how to beat this game, which I haven't had a chance to compete physically for a long time. And it's really uh, retaught me or reminded me of some of the issues that I went through as a player. And it's brought that back more to the forefront. So it's about the day and everything you do during the day. By the time I get to the ballpark, I'm ready to go, man. I love my conversations. This team I have right now, it's very conversant. It's very conversant. Uh, it's very egoless. It's very selfless. And I really enjoy the personalities. And my coaching staff cannot be better. So it's about the day and the, and the drumbeat of the day that I think, I mean, that draws me in. And I, quite frankly, um, it wasn't for uh, 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 a, mirror or my, uh, a mirror in front of me or my memory at all. I would think I was 60 years of age all the time. I mean, there's no difference. So if you just have that uh, joy for the day and the beat of the day, um, that's what really uh, draws you in. Joe, the last one for me, and again, uh, David and I really appreciate you uh, taking some time. I don't know you're going to be on your way to the ballpark after you're done with us. Uh, you're writing a, a new book. I know it's going to be out by the end of the year. How cathartic has it been to uh, go over uh, your career and uh, some of your life's journey to, uh, to get you to this point and, uh, and, and re maybe even hit the reset button uh, going into this year as far as doing the research, the work, uh, you know, with Tom on this uh, book that will come out. Yeah, it's, um, it's been very interesting. Uh, during the pandemic, I recorded over 100 hours just riding my bike. On my bike every day um, with this uh, microphone attached to, my, to the top of my shirt. And I was able to pour it out, and it was very cathartic. And huh, it, it, what it does, it uh, reminds you of where you came from, how you got here. And it's not something to, to pound your chest on or be very proud of. It's just a reminder of all the different things that got you to that particular moment. 
and that when things go either good or bad, uh, to understand that if it's bad, you can make it good again. And, uh, and, and if it's good, you want to keep it there. Uh, and how do you do that? And what were, the, what were the issues that you went through? And how did you handle different moments and, and uh, criticisms? And again, platitudes, it, it works both ways. I mean, you can't just listen to criticism all day and have it beat you down in platitudes and, and have become an inflated version of yourself. So it's just going back. I mean, whether it was like all the way back, um, you know, some of my first coaches in college and high school through pro ball and the different things that we've done there, um, it just it was really uh, kind of comforting and, and interesting, even to myself as I was rereading things as they, they got put on paper. Um, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and, again, I'm not tipping my hand. A lot of it has to do with what you guys are talking about even right now and talking about managers uh, from the 1980s compared to right now, what's going on and the differences and, and uh, my perception of then and my, uh, my perception of what's going on now and how Gene Locke might have reacted to this moment and how, uh, you know, Joe Madden reacts at this particular moment. Um, so anyway, it was, uh, it was very interesting. I think it's very interesting. I think there's a lot to it. And uh, I try to dig down as deeply as I can. I was encouraged to uh, dig as deeply as I can constantly uh, by the people that were prodding me. And it, was, uh, it got me down there pretty deeply, I thought, and I, I really enjoyed it. Joe, I bet you can still go anywhere in Chicago and people buy a shot and a beer the Hazleton way. So welcome back. Well, I'm going out tonight. <laughs> I'm hopefully trying to head out there. We'll see what the game looks like today, if they're actually going to play. Um, I'm looking at the weather report. Hopefully we do get it in. But, hey, listen, I, I've always uh, talked about this very sincerely. I enjoy this place. I have enjoyed this place so much as a visitor and then as, as one of its own for a while. Uh, people are remarkably wonderful, even on the elevator with the elevator last night, some dude said something to me. You know, it's uh, people here don't forget. People here appreciate. Like I said, micro Hazleton is a microcosm of uh, Chicago, and I feel really attached. I feel very much at home, and it's always great to come back here. Thanks so much, Joe, for your time. All right, David. Best of luck. Joe Madden, the manager of the Angels here on Inside the Clubhouse and Chicago Sports Radio 670 score. Bruce will react to a lot of what he had to say. We've got a break. A lot more baseball talk until 11 o'clock right here. Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. Welcome back inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. David Hoff, Bruce Levine. And, of course, that was Joe Madden, the Angels manager. And I enjoyed that conversation, Bruce. Everything from him talking about the role of a manager as it continues to evolve to getting uh, getting into an elevator and having you know a Chicago baseball fan that recognized him start up a conversation. That was vintage Joe Madden. That doesn't seem to change, even though he does evolve really good to reconnect with, uh, with Joe. You know, the beautiful thing about Joe is, and I've known this from day one when I met him when he was uh, with the Angels as a coach, you know, I don't know, got 25 years ago or something like that. Um, he always is in the moment of what he's doing, and, and, and that takes a special talent, and, and it's, it's, it's a good way to watch a person and gain some perspective for yourself watching him. Even though uh, he's totally into the game and immersed in it when he's there, uh, he steps away, and, and he talks about uh, talking to his players uh, a lot about stepping away from the game, not being immersed in it when you're away from the game so that... When you come back, you have a better perspective on life, and this is your your job. You love it. You do it every day, but there's got to be more to uh, your life to be better better rounded, to be uh, be able to get the most out of yourself 
during that job time. And yet, as much as he is present every day, every conversation, and is, has the ability to compartmentalize everything, he, we all know that he still has this sense of the past and history. And he made some references to his past and history with the Cubs that maybe were unintentional. But when you hear the way he talks about you know, interference from management and things of that nature, you can't help but kind of always, always put his comments in the context of his experience with the Cubs. A caller uh, texted me and said, uh, did, did he use the word wimp? I think uh, uh, we'll have to go through the uh, sound to see if, uh, you know, wimp was used in uh, describing somebody in front offices somewhere. But nonetheless, David, uh, some strong comments. And I think when his book does come out uh, at the end of the year, uh, that he will indeed uh, have some strong things about uh, comments of where he's worked, who he's worked for, and where the game has gone. How does that pertain to what his experience was like in Chicago, Bruce? And I did not realize he was, I had heard some rumblings, didn't know it was as far along as it was in terms of his, his book project. That is going to be must-read for Chicago baseball fans. Right. I don't even know if he wanted me to bring it up at this point. Uh, his publisher is probably angry that uh, he jumped the gun here a little bit. But way to go, Bruce. Know, no, no, knowing Joe, uh, you know it's 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 all good. But the the reality of uh, you know the situation and uh, knowing that uh, you know he had a, a great great relationship with Epstein and Hoyer to begin with, and we know like uh, many in sports uh, as uh, the exit uh, peers open, uh, those relationships uh, deteriorate. So I think we'll hear about some of that, uh, both the, the great times of winning World Series and the deterioration of being asked to do s some things uh, for a team that was pretty much unwilling to do it for themselves. And that winning is changes everything change, you know, yeah. in terms of expectations from a fan base, in terms of relationships within an organization, winning indeed changes everything and the Cubs uh, are struggling right now to win but not because of our next guest Bruce when we come back Alfonso Rivas is a guy who has been uh, I think a, a mild surprise to me and he's been a bright spot when he's been asked to come through he had an interesting night last night and he will join us next and inside the clubhouse Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds what could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs advertise with Odyssey visit ads.odyssey.com